0: Soup with Coop is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older.
1: We just finished the 97 season, um, 98 Super Bowl with a championship in Super Bowl 32 against the Green Bay Packers, uh, where I single-handedly won that game. It's amazing, the performance I've drawn. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't even realize it. They all think about, hey, if, the, if John Elway does not the helicopter thing, if I don't miss my block, that never happens. So you are right? <laughs> yeah.
2: He doesn't yeah. say that in the Wikipedia. My next guest on Soup with Coop is an Idaho Vandal. A three-time Super Bowl champion, broadcaster, actor, and one of the great guys in all of sports, Mark Stinky Stink Schlereth joins Soup with Coop. Welcome, my friend.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Coop man. It's I don't know that I know that we've met along the way, but we've never really um, had an extended conversation. So I'm excited to have this conversation, have some soup with you.
2: It, we're overdue, my friend. We're overdue, and. Uh, I know, Mark. You're from Alaska. I would imagine Alaskans are big soup eaters.
1: Uh, yeah, because it's cold. You know, eight months of the year. So you wanna you wanna be able to warm your innards uh, with some soup most of the time. You know, I'm a a meat with a side of meat guy. Is kind of <laughs> the way I the way I operate. Uh, but uh, we've got the uh, minestrone. Is it minestrone soup? Yeah, it's um it's actually delicious. It's got some noodles in it and some, um, you know vegetables and things of that nature that uh, normally are, are not part of my diet so it's um, this is this is a nice change
2: yeah i don't normally go with minestrone but i today it is absolutely delicious filled with
1: vegetables and treats galore yeah it's very good very good
2: i was doing some research on minestrone and clearly an italian root there but it's it's really known to be kind of a soup of the paupers you know an old porridge kind of the kind of the poor man's soup that you know as time progressed, they added more vegetables as people got a little more affluent. But this is not a aristocratic noble person soup. It's a it's an everyday lineman guard kind of a you know right. That,
1: that makes uh, that makes uh, perfect sense, right? It's uh, it is uh, what was the what was the uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the Disney movie, you know, because that's how you know as as a father and then a grandfather now um really that's that's all you ratatouille oh, you know what right, yeah. like it's like you just throw a bunch of stuff together right and then you you make a meal of it so that's kind of this this uh particular soup and i i appreciate that this is actually kind of an offensive line you know i mean they you don't ever want to be like if you play offensive line the only thing you really want to be is a tagline at the end of the game that the quarterback or the running back says like hey, got to think the, the big guys up front, you know, for that 200-plus yards. Let's talk about me for a while, right? So, you know, because if your name gets <laughs> mentioned, you probably really suck. So, like, you just want to be the tagline. You just want to be the big fellas, the, the uh, hog mollies, whatever it is. But that's really all you want. And then uh, – so this soup is the perfect uh, – it's the perfect compliment to uh, being a, an ex-O lineman.
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to talk about their O lineman having a quiche – no,
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Nothing, nothing fancy, right? Absolutely. You just want to, you want to get in there. You want to, the meat and potatoes of, uh, of the national football.
2: And Mark, you mentioned 245. What was your playing weight? What was your, you grew up in Alaska. Probably, I was looking at the great Alaskans that have entered the NFL. Uh-huh. You're the, first, you're the first one on the list of highlights. So it's, I mean, when, when a guard leads the way, you can tell that you're in pretty elite company.
1: Yeah, well, there's not a whole lot of, you know, I mean, number one, uh, total population of Alaska is probably about 500,000, you know, Um, so it's not like a, it's not like a hugely populated state, and um, yeah, shoot Coop, when I was playing high school football, we played six, seven games, like we would end in October, so, you know, by the time you get to go to college and, and partake in college football, the kids that you're competing against, they play Double triple the amount of games that you got to play, right? So from just an experience standpoint, um, you're very limited from an experience standpoint. So I had, you know, I had two scholarship offers coming out of Alaska. Um, both teams came up to 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 basically do a football camp in Alaska. Um, I think going into my senior year, maybe, and um, and so I part I partook in this in this camp, and um, you know, I was athletically gifted. Um, but I wasn't, you know, a huge guy. Um, and, and I got the opportunity, I got I got scholarship offered in Hawaii and Idaho. And honestly, because of my lack of experience, because I didn't play, you know, a ton of games in, in high school, I went on my recruiting trip to Hawaii. And I really questioned whether I could play at that level. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea. And so then I went to Idaho. And I felt like, well, you know what, I'm not going to ride the bench. I'll probably get an opportunity to play maybe after a red shirt year or whatever. And at least I know I'm going to get to play. And that was really, you know, the biggest reason I chose to go to the university of Idaho is I thought that I, my skill set, based upon my high school football experience fit better at the university of Idaho. So um, that's really, you know, people go, well, you wouldn't go to Hawaii. I, I two things. One, I didn't think I could play there Two, I didn't want to wake up to sunshine. I grew up in Alaska, right? Like I could, I would go nuts waking up to sunshine every day. I need some snow. I need some sleet. I need some garbage. And so I thought, well, at least Idaho will provide that for me during the wintertime, you know, so it'll be a little bit more like home.
2: That's amazing that someone from Alaska would not want any sort of culture shock of great weather every day. I'm glad to know you're stuck in your roots and you like it the way it is. What were you weighing coming out of high school as a recruit? How much is it? Were you always a lineman? Did you were you a skilled guy that just gained weight and turned into a lineman or were you always in the trenches?
1: Well, no, I was I was I, I, I always played offensive line, but I was coming out of high school at 220, 225. Um, and then um, you know, I had played I played linebacker in high school, I played center in high school, and um, and then when I got to the University of Idaho, I mean I I went from playing center to playing nose guard, defensive end, um played some outside stand-up linebacker um, and ended up getting hurt so often. I mean, I was hurt so much during my college career that I actually was retired as a junior. And so I was completely retired from, from football as a junior in in college. Um, And so I I had a, at the time I had had six knee surgeries during my college career and I had an elbow surgery and, and that's what retired me. And um, I ended up, you know, getting healthy from the surgery and starting to work out again, and basically going into my senior year, begged the university to let me play. Like, just, hey, just let me finish, right? And I, had a, I ended up here 19 or 20 years old, whatever you are. And I, uh, I signed papers to limit their liability toward me as an injury risk for them to allow me to come back, right? I didn't talk to my dad. I didn't talk to anybody. Like, oh, yeah. What do you need me to sign? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm good, right? <laughs> so I come back for my senior year and I switched over to guard which I hadn't played um, because I had played center and and a bunch of different positions. So I switched back over to guard and I ended up playing my junior or my senior year at guard and making it through the season healthy. And, um, and I had no agent. I had no interest. I played one year of college football, but it was always my dream since I was 12 growing up in Alaska, I was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So it was always my dream to play in the NFL. And I, I really had, I had nothing. I was just kind of stuck. And one of my teammates, uh, a guy by the name of Marvin Washington, went on to play for 11 years, 11, 12 years in the league, um, was was drafted by the Jets. He calls me up one night and says, hey, man, uh, you know, the the Bengals are coming to work me out tomorrow at the facility. He goes, why don't you show up to my workout? And I was like, thanks. And hey, we called him Dirty Wash, you know, Dirty. I said, thanks, Dirty. I appreciate it, right? And so – I showed up to to his workout, introduced myself to the scouts for the Bengals and just begged them to let me work out. And the thing for me was I could run. I could, even with the knee surgery, even with the issues, I could run. I could jump. Um, I've always been strong as an ox. I mean, I've always had weight room strength and field strength. And so Marvin invited me to his workouts and I just show up to Marvin's workout. And here's the crazy thing about friendship. Like, you know, I, here's one of the things I love about being an athlete or love about, about sports in general is that you celebrate somebody else's success like it's your own. And, like, there's there's not many places in the world that that happens, right, where there's not jealousy. So I showed up to Marvin's workout and absolutely blew him away. Like, I run faster. 40, he was a defensive end. At, you know, six foot six, he was a former basketball player, 6'6", six six, uh, 265, 270, had one year of college football because he played college basketball at UTEP and the program got canceled. So he transferred to Idaho and played college football. He got 14 sacks, right? So he's this hot commodity. And I show up to his workouts. I blow him away in the bench. I blow him away in the eye test. I blow him away in the 40s. Like everything. Like I probably cost him three or four rounds in the draft. He got drafted in the sixth round. He was supposed to go on the second or third, right? But I'm telling you, Coop, probably 15 different times he called me and invited me to his workout. And I showed up and that's how I got on the radar. And my film was good, you know, from my, from my last year, my film was good. And, um, I ended up, I ended up, uh, ended up getting calls on my own from different teams to come to work me out. And so even at the, even at that, I was too too probably too 80 ish. Um, I mean, the, the, the Washington Redskins worked me out as a, uh, as an H back. They wanted me to play tight end. Um, cause I was, I was like, I was a legit four, seven, four, eight, four, seven, five, four, eight guy. Um, I could run and, and I could do those things at that weight. So they wanted me initially to be a, an H back. Anyhow, they ended up drafting me because then, then they said, you know, they said Billy Devaney, who used to be, he, he was a scout for us. And then he became the GM of the Rams and, and Billy and I are good friends, but he came and worked me out. Then he sent the O-line coach, Joe Bugle, the legendary coach, to come work me out. And they ended up drafting me and uh, as a center. But I think the, the coolest part of this story is, you know, is the connection you have with your friends, right, the connection you have with the guys that you played with. So we get done – I mean, I, I play six years in Washington. I leave. I go to, to Denver. Um, we just finished the '97 season – um, 98 Super Bowl with a championship in Super Bowl 32 against the Green Bay Packers, uh, where I single handedly won that game. It's amazing the performance <laughs> I've gone. A lot of people don't even realize. They all think about, hey, if, the, if John Elway doesn't, the helicopter thing, if I don't miss my block, that never happens. So you won't,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. say that in the Wikipedia. I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I, right. Totally yeah. So,
1: so, about. so anyhow, I'm sitting in the training room where I spent the majority of my career. Um, with ice on doing something in the off season from a surgery I just had. And Mike Shanahan comes down and says, Hey man, we need a backup defensive lineman. Some guy that can play, you know, that can be a rotational guy that can play D and D tackle, you know, a guy that fits because I just need a guy that really fits with our football team. And he goes, and he just hands me a sheet of paper and there's like seven names on it. He goes, I don't know any of these guys. Well, you know, them all you have played for a long time. He goes, any guy on here that really kind of fits our team. So I grab a piece of paper. I'm looking at the piece of paper. And and the first name I see about halfway down is Marvin Washington. And I go, hey, sign him. He fits. So he signs Marvin. And Marvin and I play together in 1998 and win a world championship together, Super Bowl 33. So the only reason I played the National Football League is because of Marvin Washington. And Marvin Washington, the only reason he got a Super Bowl is because I said, "Sign him, bring him to us." And so it's kind of a full circle situation with uh, with Marvin. It was just a uh, a blessing to be a part of, of that guy, and I owe that my NFL career to Marvin Washington.
2: And and that's. I love stories like that, and that's what football is all about. It doesn't surprise me that a guy with the nickname of Dirty is looking out for a guy with the nickname of Stink. I mean, they seem like the right <laughs> kind of tandem. Maybe a, maybe you might see Dirty and Stink doing karaoke down on Bourbon Street, but you don't think I'm, those guys looking out for each other and extending NFL careers and turning into Super Bowls. Um, that's awesome. That's what that's what sports are all about. And, uh, unfortunately, there's not enough of that, and there's too much, you know, look at me. But that's uh right. I like that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you shared that with us. Um, being drafted in the tenth round was that exciting or was that depressing? Because the tenth round doesn't exist anymore.
1: No, you know, uh, legendary old line coach Jim McNally for the Bengals worked me out a bunch, and uh, he loved me. He, he every time I see him, he's he goes, "You're the one that got away." That's what he always says to me. And so, Jim. Was calling me every round. Like the first round went down, the first round went down. I was playing dunk hoops up at the SAE house. <laughs> with the guy. Like I didn't, I wasn't even there. You know, it was on TV at the time, so I wasn't even home in case the the phone rang. I was like, "There's no way I'm getting drafted." Like i on day one. And so I I'm not even home. I get I get back home after we play hoops and we're doinking around, and my phone starts ringing, and it's Jim McNally the old line coach of the Bengals. And he calls me literally every round, like from the second or third round on, going, hey, man, I'm standing on the table for you. I'm trying to get them to draft. You. I'm trying to get them to draft, you. right? So, every, like, literally every round. It's the fourth round. It's the fifth round. It's the, my phone rings. It's, hey, I'm on the table for you, man. I'm going to get you. And it goes, you know, the Bengals get up, and sure enough, they it's a different name. You know, it's not my name. And he calls me. Um, like I said, every round, and the tenth round's coming up, and he calls me and goes, "Finally, they're going to let me take." That this is it. This is the round, right? I go, "Okay, great." And I don't. I'm not sure where their pick was. It was like 270, and I was like 263 for Washington. So my phone rings, and I think it's. I think it's the Bengals. I think that's where I'm going. And sure enough, it's the Washington Redskins, and they say, "Hey, man, you're the uh, 263rd pick of the the and." Hey, listen, man. I was dumb enough at that time, the tenth round. I, I mean, I felt like I puffed out my chest. I was like, "Hey, give me a, you know, coach ticket. I'm ready to go." <laughs> and and I did. I did fly. flew coach, um, and uh, I got to Washington. And I tell you, it's it's such an interesting thing because you go to the mini camp, right, Coop? And um, I'm a tenth rounder out of Idaho, an off injured guard from Idaho, right, playing center. And um, you're in. at at that point you're in helmets, no pads, and it's full go. I mean, it is, it's, it's, there is no, you know, we're not walking off the ball. This is full go. And I never forget, I'm standing around watching veterans compete. And I was like, I was literally like, I don't think I belong here. (laughs) Right. I mean, like, I, I don't know. And, um, and so I get my opportunity to go and, um, I'm playing against uh, Tracy Rocker, who was the first player taken that, in that draft out of Auburn. He was the Outland Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. And he's playing nose, and I'm playing center. And, um, and you know, get got thrown in the drill one-on-ones. And, um, you know, it was, it was like that. It was just like clockwork, man. Bam. He's like stabbing bike. Always had, always had strength it's and good hands.
2: Came natural it, to you? Just not – right. you thought you were in awe, but at the same time, it just – you
1: did like I, I was. I'm, you know, I'm like in anybody who's played. I'm a competitor, right? And it's time to compete. Was I nervous? Yeah. Was I scared? Absolutely. But you know what? I'm going to compete. And and so I, you know, at that point, I was like, oh shoot, this is the Outland Trophy winner from Auburn, and I'm handling it, no problem, you know. And we had some great epic battles, but I was like, I, I belong. And it was one of those. It was one of those kind of epiphany moments where you're like, okay, it doesn't doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter, you know, if you traveled on coach, <laughs> on, on in the back of the United flight on coach, or if you, you know, they got you a first-class ticket. Uh, the fact is you got here, and and once you got here, like I was always big on don't talk yourself out of it, right? It, I mean, the only way that I wasn't going to make a football team, and I I convinced myself of this, is because I wasn't good enough. And at that point, you're like, if I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Right. I, I can live with that. But it wasn't going to be a lack of effort or preparation or study or any of that stuff. I was like, I'm going to fight my ass off to, to try to make this thing a career because it's been my childhood dream since I was 12. And so that was kind of my epiphany moment when I, I realized I actually belong. I actually deserve to, to play. And, um, and anyhow, the rest is history. Twelve years later, you know, it was a it was a good run.
0: With Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means whether you win or lose, you're always earning towards perks like free stays at iconic Caesar's properties, game tickets, dining, and more. And if you haven't started yet, here's a reminder your first bet is on Caesar's, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code OMAHAFULL and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it back as a free bet. Must be 21 or older, offer valid, and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com promos for full terms. Voidware prohibited. No entity stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1 800 522 4700. Indiana, call 1 9 With It. Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. Louisiana, call 1 877 770 Stop. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bozier City and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler, 1 800 426 2537. Or West Virginia, visit 1 800 Gambler.net. New York, call 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York 467 369. What do you want to eat tonight? maybe you want a home cooked favorite, but don't feel like going to the store, or you want something exciting and new, but it would be great to stay in tonight. DoorDash connects you with everything you want whenever and however you want it. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download DoorDash app and enter the code SOUP23. That's 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code SOUP23. Don't forget, that's code SOUP23 for 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fee with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply.
2: It's no secret your injury history is uh, well-documented. 29 surgeries, 20 on the knee. Um, and uh, there's many quotes. Coach Shanahan talks about your pain threshold. Uh, Mark, do you ever look back and go, you know, maybe I you know, should have been a dancer or an actor or something. I mean, you know, 29 is, is a lot.
1: No, it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, probably nine parts stupidity and one part, (laughs) whatever, toughness. Um, you know, it was, it was always important to me, um, to be a great teammate. And, um, and that was, that was part of kind of my mission statement was, um, I play this game not for money or not for myself. I play this game for the people that I play with um, for the organization that I play for. Um, and, and that's coaches, that's trainers, that's equipment guys. That's, I mean, I had a six year running dark game with the equipment guys, you know, I had a cribbage game that was, that was going on for six years. With the, the, uh, the Greek and, and Steve Antonopoulos Greek and, And the whole, uh, the whole training room staff. As a matter of fact, I Greek had a, uh, I, I, he had some type of surgery, like an appendectomy. And I came down to visit him when he woke up from, uh, from, from surgery with a cribbage board in hand and took his money um, (laughs) down at the Swedish hospital. So, you know, I mean, I had these connections and these relationships and I always felt like it was my responsibility um, to play injured, not just hurt, but to play injured and play well injured. And, Um, And I took a great deal of pride in doing that because it wasn't about me. It was about the people that I played with. And, um, you know, I thought that was important. I I actually, um, my first year here in Denver in 1995, I woke up. um, I woke up on a Sunday morning. We had a, a Monday night game against the Raiders. I woke up on a Sunday morning with kidney stones and I was just like, Three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, just an excruciating pain. If you've ever had kidney stones, people who who they can relate to it, it they're awful, right? And so my wife, because she had dealt with me before, she's like sent me downstairs on the couch, goes try to sleep it off, you know, see if you can just kind of so I muscled through till I don't know, five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, it's miserable. And my parents happen to be in town, so um. We told them we were going to the hospital and she takes me to the hospital and I spend all day in the hospital. They transfer me from one hospital to another hospital. I can't the stones are so they're so big I can't pass them. And so it's like literally 9:30, 10 o'clock at night, Sunday night, we've got a game the next morning against the Raiders are our, our tribals. And they're like, hey, we're gonna have to surgically take these kitten stones, right? So I mean, Coop, I'm I'm like, all right, let's let's roll. So you roll <laughs> down the hallway, right? And they roll me into the, the operating room. And anyway. you got your little gown on, but your butt naked. It's literally snowing in the operating room. So, I mean, you'd you have to get a flashlight and a pair of tweezers to take a, it's so cold in there, right? <laughs> and I am laying on this table. Every person in there is female. Like the, the nurse is my anesthesiologist is female. Everybody is female. And so the the, the the scrub down nurse comes in and goes, are you allergic to iodine or betadine? Because I'm going to be your scrub down nurse. They go right through your junk and they go into your, like into your, uh, through your junk, into your, through your bladder, into your, with, I think it's the ureter that goes from your kidneys down to your bladder to take this, to take these stones out. And I looked, I looked at the anesthesiologist and I'm like, hey, listen, it's freezing cold in here. You guys are going to need to put me out before she starts. Scrubbing me down. <laughs> so I literally go to sleep, right. Got my legs in the stirrups. I wake up and I have to take, like, I have to take a morphine shot to take. A um, it's all blood. Like it's, it's oh. horrible. Right. And the next morning I check myself out of the hospital at 10 o'clock in the morning. I drive to pregame. Uh, I eat a piece of toast. I drive down to the stadium and, uh, and play against the Raiders. We beat them 20, 27 to nothing. Um, you know, straight up straight out of the emergency operating room onto the field to play the Raiders. And that was that to me was that's what I do. Um, that was my responsibility. So I've always I've always taken not not that I'm I'm proud of myself, but I've always taken great pride in in answering you know answering the bell for my teammates.
2: Mark, as 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 a tough guy. Were there times did you think you had an influence over a teammate? You mentioned being a great teammate, and I think that's how they always talk about Mickey Mantle. As much uh. as he did for baseball, it was all in the in the in the outfield. It says Mickey Mantle, a great teammate. You know, ignore all the hoopla and the highlights, and the, you know, being the most popular guy. I thought that was cool because he's just a a grounded guy. But were there are people in the locker room that you thought were a little more self centered and me guys that you were able to kind of spread the. The good teammate gene to them and make them look at things a little differently at times.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that was part of my legacy, um, you know, and just the whole, just the whole. It's not only playing hurt and playing injured, but playing well hurt and injured. Like that was that was part of the mantra, right? It's not enough to play hurt. You got to play well hurt, and uh, anybody can play the game when they feel good. Um, you got to be able to play the game when you feel like. And you got to play well, and so that was always that was always part of of what I believed in or what I tried to bring to a football field. You know, kind of that leadership through setting an example through doing it. Um, but you know, Rod Smith was a teammate for a long time, and one of the great Broncos in the history. Probably should be if not probably should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a phenomenal football player. Never missed a workout. Never missed anything. I mean, ne- anything. I mean, would throw like he'd be more proud. We, we play a game against the Raiders, and and Mike Anderson's running for us, and he breaks one down the sideline, and, and you know, we, we run 19 handoff strong or something, and, and Rod's the ex-receiver on the back side. And, um, and he, he breaks one down the sideline. He's weaving in and out, and, and Rod loops around, and uh, the nose guard for the Raiders at the time – oh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name – Big, you know, that, what's that,
2: Chester McLaughlin? That, I mean, no, no, no. It
1: wasn't Chester. It was uh, it was another one of them big hog molly type guys. But uh, but I'll remember it at some point. It doesn't matter. He's Rod loops around from the X, and the guy's chasing, you know, chasing down sideline. Chinese twenty yards behind or whatever. And this is back when you could blindside people, and you just got applauded and pat on the back instead of you know fine. Um, but but Rod loops around and absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Grady Jackson. Oh, yeah. Absolutely lays Grady Jackson out. I mean, just over tea kettle feet in the air. Right. So we're in the next day on Monday, you know, looking at the film or whatever. And we come out of the old line meeting room and Rod is in the locker. Now, Rod probably had seven catches and two touchdowns for one hundred and twelve yards. All he could talk about was blowing up Grady Jackson. It was like the greatest. It was like that was that was how our team was. And that's how those guys were like they took more pride in throwing a great block that sprung TD than they did catching touchdowns and doing all that stuff. But I had had a, uh, a knee surgery, one of the many I had when I was playing. And um, it was it was like I, I had it like on a Monday and it was Friday. And so I still had this like the sutures with the little steri strips. And I actually had blood trickling down my legs because it was, it was still kind of open. And I was pulling up my knee sleeve and Rod's locker was right across from my locker. And he's like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm getting ready for practice. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, I'm going to practice. And, he's, and he just shakes his head and he goes, dude. And I go, what? And he goes, my hammy's a little tender and they gave me the day off. He goes, but I cannot, I can't let you go out and <laughs> practice with blood trickling down your shins and me take a day off for a hammy. So he got dressed and he was out there playing right out there practicing. but that was kind of the connection we had as a football team um, during those th- during those years in Denver, which was just phenomenal.
2: one of your teammates uh, arguably one of the most competitive I hear competitive stories before but John Elway on the competitive side, just being almost may- maybe to a fault like right. you know a game of Pool, or I heard he played pool with B- Bobby Brister one time, and Bobby beat him, and he, you know, got rid of the pool table. Is is the the legend of Elway's competitive streak legit? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, and, and it's always one of those things. Kind of like uh, you always felt like, what do you want me to beat you? You want to, you guys want to play ping pong, golf, pool, pop a shot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, bubble <laughs> hockey? Like, what is it? <laughs> what do you want to lose in today? Because I'm, I'm that bowling. You know, whatever it is. Um uh, that was that was Elway. But, you know, it's always funny because uh, when you switch teams, you know, you, you you have this kind of opportunity to be a fly on the wall for a while until you assimilate into that team and get to know guys and all that kind of stuff. And it's always interesting to see how how guys are right, how, how players are. Elway was a legend um, when I got to Denver. And the thing that I always appreciated is John. You know, in, in the view of, of the world's eyes, John had owned or, or, or created the right or, or, or worked for the right to be a prima donna, if you will, and never was. If we were running as a team, he was running as a team. If we were lifting, we did this, we used to do this uh, leg sled thing. Rich Tootin was our strength coach, and, and it was, it was, mis- it was, when we did the leg sled, it was a miserable day because not only did he stack a ton of weight on it, but then he would hold, Rich would hold it down. And it's just miserable. It's one of those things you get done doing and you can't walk for two days. And, you know, the strength coach thinks it's really funny, that type of thing. And so I was in a group, I was in a group and John was in the group and we're all just like, Oh my God, this, this freaking leg sled, you know, hammer leg sled thing. And, uh, John gets himself strapped in there, and Rich is leaning on it. And, uh, and John goes, you realize if I refuse to do this, I'm still going to make the team, right? <laughs> and, and Rich is like, yeah, I, I get it. He goes, all right, let's roll. You know? And so John just never – he never used that, that clout he had as one of the best players in the history of the game to ever shirk his responsibilities to the team. And I always, I always kind of being a fly on the wall and watch it I always really appreciated that about John and the way he worked.
2: Mark, you were, uh, you made a, a very seamless transition from football into the broadcasting side, both on TV, calling games, in the booth, what have you, always loved your time, you know, back in Mike and Mike, they bring you in, they loved right. you. He's like, they were so excited. And Greenberg loved to say the word stink. Oh, I got yeah. stinking. He would say stink 36 times during your, right. your on-air time. Um but speaking of guys playing hurt, you were pretty outspoken doing a game one time uh, talking about uh, Jay Cutler one time when he peeled out of a game early from injury and you were saying, you know, they'd have to pull me out on a stretcher before they're going to, you know, let me start right. during a deal. Um, did you enjoy having that platform to kind of speak your mind?
1: Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've always looked at it like, I've, I've looked at it this way, you know, and, and there are guys that don't like me very much at times, you know, uh, and that's okay. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, I, I just feel like I earned the right to earn the right to be honest, earn the right to be critical if it. If that's, what's requir- required, required. And, and so like my thought process is, this is there's nobody that, that gave up any more of himself, you know, from a teammate standpoint, an injury standpoint, whatever the case may be, than I, did. um, and, and so therefore, like to me, once that was done, I graduated from playing and uh, I owe that same type of effort to whoever employs me. And so my deal was my deal was to just give to you straight. No chaser. And if you don't like it, that's on you
2: can't thank you enough for being on buddy really enjoyed it all right buddy
1: always good to talk to you man all the best to you and your family and like i said uh before we even started this i always appreciate your family they've always been very gracious to me so uh thank you for that take care buddy thank you